What's up, and welcome back to the Couch Fanatic Sports Podcast, Episode 7. I'm your host, Noah Domang, and for once, I am not recording on a Tuesday night, knowing that it drops on Thursday morning. I am recording on Wednesday night, so go me. I won't have to stress for the next day about big news breaking and having to come back and record and add stuff and chop up audio. So that's wonderful. Um, As you may know, we all got a little crazy today. Um, So I'm hoping that this can be an escape from the crazy world and just kind of lose yourself in the world of sports. It's a great time in sports. College football playoffs are wrapping up. NFL playoffs are starting. NBA starting to heat up. Uh, the MLB free agency period should be starting to heat up at this point. So, um, yeah, if you want an escape right now, um, I want to try and be that for you. Uh, if you're coming from social media, I'm probably going to use that to advertise this episode. Um, but, yeah, if you are listening, uh, please, before, uh, if you want to pause it, uh, just leave a rate, download, rate, subscribe, everything on Apple Podcast. Uh, and if you please go check out my social media. Find it, Couch Fanatic Sports, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, and Couch Fanatic on Twitter. Also, I stream on Twitch, Noah underscore Doming. All that stuff is going to be in the bio of this episode. But, um, yeah, if you want to go throw me a like on any of those platforms or a retweet, follow me. Uh, get you in contact with the rest of my stuff, such as the YouTube channel and streaming and blogs and all that stuff. But uh, let's dig right in. Um, we can – let's first – being that we're South Louisiana, we can talk about the LSU hirings first. Um, LSU hired a couple guys today. Come back. Uh, don't want to mess up their names. I know it's uh, GJ Magnus and then Pete's something Pete's. I'm gonna go look everything up again. Um, yeah, today was today was a crazy day, to um, say the least. Obviously, if you're listening, you know that. Okay, so Jake Pete's was named offensive coordinator, and DJ Mangus is the passing game coordinator. So, uh, basically, I'll, I'll read off their resumes. So, the offensive coordinator, Jake Peets, 10 years of NFL experience. He was a running backs and quarterback coach in Carolina, offensive assistant in Jacksonville, uh, and a college football he played DB at Nebraska. Pretty good resume. Um, and then Magnus was actually at LSU. He's a coaching assistant this year. Uh, last season, he was an offensive analyst for LSU, um, working under Joe Brady. Both places worked on Drew Brady in Carolina and in LSU. He was William and Mary's offensive coordinator and running back coach, and he was also played wide receiver quarterback William and Mary. So, the report like a couple days before the hiring was, um, Joe Brady was basically contacted by Coach O. Coach O said, "Hey, um, who are some guys that can run your offense? Who are some guys that you know that can come in and help?" And he basically gave him these names, and Coach O said, "Cool." I'm going to go hire him. And that's what happened. Coach O said, Joe, this is your offense. You know it best. Who knows it best? Who can run it like you? Joe Brady said, hmm, those guys. And Coach O said, sounds good. <laughs> it was It's beautiful. I, I like it. Um, Magnus was obviously here. He was here last year. Um, he's going to be here again. He was under Joe Brady. He's been under Joe Brady for the last couple of years. You know, he's going to be helping. Uh, and then obviously Pete, he was under Joe Brady this past year as a quarterback's coach in Carolina. Um it's honestly kind of wild that Joe would suggest these guys to us, knowing that he's probably going to be a head coach in the NFL next year. Um, but yeah, that's kind of wild that he would like be nice and like give it to us because like it wouldn't surprise me if you know that guy became his offense coordinator and then like uh, Magnus becomes his quarterbacks coach, you know, like something like that. That really wouldn't shock me if something like that were to happen, if you became a head coach, because like usually these guys get their guys and they want them around and they want them sticking with them. Um, hopefully, offense really wasn't the problem last year, but it definitely wasn't as smooth going as offense the year before. And, I mean, part of that was just the talent. The talent wasn't the same. Uh, coach definitely wasn't the same. Uh, there's a noticeable drop-off between <laughs> Joe Brady and Scott Linehan, that's to say the least. But... Yeah, hopefully everything can run a little bit smoother now. Um, while we're on college football, we can talk about the Heisman. We can talk about the college football playoffs, a couple of the bowl games. Um, so, obviously, if you're listening to this on Thursday or maybe later, you know Devontae Smith won the Heisman. He should have won. He had almost 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns in, what is it, 12 games? Um, 
He also returned to punt for a touchdown and also ran for a touchdown. So, I mean, 22 touchdowns total in 12 games. That's absurd. Uh, he was the, the, the award title is given to the most outstanding player in college football. And I think that's without a doubt that was him this season. He was the most outstanding player in college football. Um, he should have won. He won. There's really not much else to say. Um, I think, though, if Waddle doesn't get hurt, Mac Jones probably wins. Because Waddle would have also had a monster season. And it would have helped Mac Jones numbers even more. And it would have kind of just elevated him. But that's neither here nor there. I still think Devontae Smith should have won. Um, I don't think Trevor Lawrence ever had a chance. He finished second, but I mean, he missed a few games. It's hard to give him the Heisman. I, I get it. It's supposed to be the most outstanding player, yada, yada, yada. But if you miss a few games, you really shouldn't be able to win Heisman. Um, and then Trask finished fourth. Uh, the crazy part is I think if someone had to win it, that was a quarterback. I'd probably say it should have been Trask. I think he did the most with the least. He by far had the touchdowns. Um, but yeah, it was it was nuts. Uh, I after the bowl game, it's a lot harder to say Trask. But the votings were in were the votes were in by December twenty first before all the bowl games, so it's kind of hard to argue against Trask for that reason because it is regular season award. Um. Uh, but I kind of want to read off a couple of Devonta Smith's biggest games. So I'm gonna pull that up now. But I know he went crazy against LSU these last couple of years. Man, I'm am I excited for him to be gone? It's very annoying that this dude from Amy, Louisiana, tore up LSU these past couple of years because he is an animal and he should have never left the state of Louisiana. So biggest games: Ole Miss, 13 catches, 164 yards, and a touchdown. Georgia, 11 catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. Mississippi State, 11 catches, 203 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Kentucky, nine catches, 144, two touchdowns. Auburn, seven catches, 171, two touchdowns. LSU, eight catches, 231, three touchdowns. SEC Championship game against Florida, 15 catches, 184, two touchdowns. And then the Cosmo Bowl playoff game, seven catches, 130, three touchdowns. Like, he just went bananas. He, um, he was awesome this year, and he elevated his game to even higher level against better competition, and that's what you want from your star players. Uh, he's going to be a top 10 pick in this draft. I've seen him going as high as number three to the Dolphins. I'm sure Dolphins fans would love that. Get him re, get him back with Tua. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see how everything plays out. It's not very often that receivers get drafted that high. But him and Jamar Chase definitely have a have a case to be drafted that high. Um, we can touch on bowl games briefly. Not really much to talk about. Uh, Alabama beat up on Notre Dame. Notre Dame scored at the end to make the score a little bit less than what make it not look as bad. Uh, Bama won 31-14. They dominated all game. Mac Jones, 297 and four touchdowns. Najee Harris ran for 125. Smith, obviously, the 130 and three touchdowns, as we talked about. Um, Alabama scored on five of their eight full possessions. Uh, man, yeah, they could do whatever they wanted with that Notre Dame soft defense. And uh, Notre Dame kind of backcourt, backdoor covered. They scored uh, with about 50 seconds left in the game to cover. So I'm sure that made a lot of betters happy and a lot of betters mad around the world because, you know, it's just kind of the world we live in now. Gambling's real. Um, the over didn't even come close to hitting. It was 66. And yeah, yikes. Not even close. Um, the more interesting game, there's really not much to talk about. We all expected Bama got there and beat up on them. Ohio State threw beat up on Clemson 49 to 28. Uh, Justin Fields looked like the best player on the field that night. With his rib injuries, with the big hit, with everything that was going on with him, and he still played tremendous. Uh, 385 yards, six touchdowns. He also ran for 42 yards. Uh, Trey Sermon, he's kind of the story. Big Ten champ. I mean, the Big Twelve. Yeah, no, the Big Ten championship. Uh, in this game, he ran for 193 yards, while averaging 6.2 yards per carry against Clemson. That's very legit. Uh, Chris Olave uh, caught 100, uh, six catches, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. And they just kind of rolled over them. Clemson uh, Lawrence threw for 400, but it, his completion percentage wasn't great. His touchdown to interception ratio was two to one. You know, not great. Travis Etienne was held to 3.2 yards a carry. 
uh, Lawrence and Etienne combined was held to two yards of carry. So, I mean, Ohio State just kind of dominated them on like both sides of the ball the entire game. Um, I mean, the, the, the game started touchdown, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, and then like it was 14-14. And then Ohio State went on to force, you know, three and out, touchdown, three and out, touchdown, three and out, touchdown. And next thing you knew, they're up 35 to 14 at the half. And the game was just over. Uh, Trevor Lawrence kept putting the ball on the ground. I think he fumbled three times, only lost one, but he put the ball on the ground three times. He threw an interception. Um, luckily, he's the best prospect, quarterback prospect in Payne Manning, so it's not going to affect his draft stock at all. Uh, he actually declared today. Um, so, you know, like, he's still going to be the first pick. He declared today. He's It's official. He's going to be in Teal. He's going to be in Jacksonville next year. But, yeah, man, that game. I mean, he's so good. He's so hyped that, like, no matter how bad he played, you're still, like, you're not worried about him. But he was outplayed, like, bad. And this is the second time that I've seen him be outplayed in the biggest game of the season. Last year in the National Championship game, he was outplayed bad by Joe Burrow. This year was their biggest game of the season, and they lost, and he played bad. He was outplayed. But then you go back to his freshman year, and he outplayed Tua. So it's kind of weird. Um, I think we're kind of overlooking at him through a microscope right now. We're kind of overanalyzing every move, everything that's going on. But obviously, I don't think anybody's concerned with his ability. Uh, he has the ability. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of kind of part of being a young guy, being a young quarterback. Um, but now you're looking at Alabama, Ohio State. I don't like the idea that Alabama's a eight point favorite. After what Ohio State just did as a seven-point underdog, um, although I do think Bama will win the game, I think Bama's the best team in college football this year. But I wouldn't be the one to kind of you know write off Ohio State. Ohio State's a good team, and all of a sudden now we have COVID concerns, and they're talking about moving the game back, and da 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 da. It's very weird stuff. It's very 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 weird stuff. But hopefully they don't have to move the game back. Hopefully everything works out. And yeah, we're gonna leave it at that. Uh, we can uh, really nothing happen in the MLB. Literally nothing. Uh, the Red Sox hired the first. I don't remember if I talked about this or not. Uh, all the news kind of blurred, but it became official today or yesterday. Uh, Red Sox hired the first African American female coach in the minor league system of professional baseball. Her name is Bianca Smith, um, and that's awesome. You know, it's another great day. Uh, we just saw Becky Hammond be able to be a head coach. She, I mean, the acting head coach uh, in their game. I, yeah, I never get to talk about that. But, like, and this is a couple months after Kim Ang was hired as the first female general manager in baseball. I mean, in all four core men's major sports in the in America. It's been – women have been making a bigger and bigger impact over the last few years. I mean, we saw a woman – play division one sec football this year uh i mean regardless of how you feel about it a lot of people had you know a lot of people were kind of insecure just whatever but a lot of people were i mean a lot of people were impressed by that like that girl she, regardless of what your opinions are she went out there and made her kicks she did what she was asked to do she did her job um and then you, the same time that you're seeing you know an asian american woman get hired as a uh general manager you know president baseball opposite of marlins then all of a sudden first girl plays in a sc football game and then the first girl becomes the i keep saying girl i mean female you know what i mean but the first female um the first female acts as a head coach in the nba after Greg popovich gets tossed he says hey i want her to i want becky hammond to take over um and then it, it just keeps trickling down it's paving the way more and more and more and you see what uh See what Trevor Bauer's agent, uh, Rachel Luba, is doing right now and how she's kind of changing and she's trying to be like a trailblazer. Uh, there's not really many female agents in sports, especially in baseball. And right now she has two of the most desired clients. I mean, she has Trevor Bauer, who's the you know crown jewel of this free agency class. And she also has Yasiel Puig, and she has a couple of other guys that are free agents right now that a lot of people are interested in. Um, but... It's it's kind of crazy. I know like I said this is going to be an escape from political issues and stuff, 
but this is this is important stuff to talk about. Um, this is important stuff to talk about in the world of sports. But it is crazy how fast all this is happening, and it's for the good. Like I can remember a few years ago when the first female ref was introduced in the um, in the NFL, and people had a problem with it then. And then we've kind of just like you know, like we, we've we've been just like going like crazy. Um, but moving on, uh, talking about some of the NFL games that happened in Week 17. We're not going to talk about the games that didn't really matter. Um, we can start with the Dolphins' Bills. The Bills went out there and played their stars for the first half and just blew out the Dolphins' bad. Um, Tua played very, very bad, like very bad. Um, he had 60 pass attempts and his threw one touchdown, three interceptions. His average completion was six yards. His quarterback rating was 62. I mean, his passer rating was 62. That is awful. And the all the entire offense looked terrible. And then on the flip side, you have Josh Allen going for – Josh Allen threw for 224 and three touchdowns in one half. <laughs> like, it's, it's wild uh, how different, how far away the two sides are from each other right now. Um, I think you got to give two a time. People are talking about trading Tua, getting Tua, he's not the guy. Uh, take a quarterback with third overall pick, get whatever you can for Tua. But, I mean, you got to give Tua time. You gave him a bad offensive line. He had a terrible, 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 terrible offensive coordinator. That offense was so stagnant, so anemic. And, uh, you know, it just takes development. Tua got thrown in. He had no he had no preseason. He had no training camp. Uh, he just didn't really have time to develop. And then every time he started to struggle, he was yanked out. Um, I think two was gonna be a very good quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think I actually said like pre-draft, I thought he was gonna be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And obviously that take doesn't look great right now, but I think I think the potential's there. Like uh, he also had no weapons whenever he played. I know I'm kind of just making excuses, but like the excuses are valid. Um, Devontae Parker is really his only receiver this year, and Devontae Parker was hurt a lot. I think if they go out there and get Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, maybe sign some money for agency, sure up that offensive line, get a real offensive coordinator, I think Tua can be good. But I mean, you got to give him time to develop, you got to trust that he can develop. Um, and I don't, I'm not really sold that Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or any of these other guys are a better quarterback prospect than Tua is. Um, I think. Your best bet is hope that the Jets also take a quarterback and then you get uh, Penny Sow, or you can go get Devonta Smith or Jamar Chase if you want one of those guys. Or maybe you're interested in uh, Michael Parsons Michael Parsons from Penn State, a linebacker. Or maybe they take – you wanted – maybe you were looking at getting um, getting the offensive lineman and then they go Trevor Lawrence Sow. And then all of a sudden you're like, eh, I don't really want to take a receiver right now. You're straight down. But I think there's always have a lot of options. I think a lot of people are trying to pressure and do something they don't want to do. But, I mean, if they can trade down from three, and let's say they go to eight, right? Uh, maybe uh, – let me go look, pull up the draft order, see if there's anybody that's kind of quarterback hungry right now. Because I could, I could see a team like the Falcons like trading up to go – I can see a team like the Falcons trading up to go get it. No, the Falcons are four. Like the Lions, for example, at seven. There's a chance Stafford leaves. I can see them trading up and going get it and giving up the seventh pick and then also, you know, something else in addition, like next year's first. And if the Dolphins wanted, they could flip next year's first for another first round pick this year. You know, it's just, it's kind of stuff like that. Um, but at seven, you're still looking at. You're still looking at one of Jamar Chase and Vontae Smith, probably. If not, Jalen Waddle. You know, there's options there. There's a lot of options there. Maybe you trade down again. You don't like it. You just reshuffle the deck. Um, I think this draft is so talented. I would be trying to accumulate more picks than less picks. Um, so I would. this wouldn't be just like last year. Last year's draft was so deep. This doesn't feel like a draft you want to trade that up in. This is something you, if anything, you want to trade down. You can acquire more picks because the talent in these last two drafts have been fantastic. It's been very deep, very deep talent. It's very, very talented. But um, yeah, like I think they have a lot of options. I think a lot of teams have a lot of options. 
I can see a lot of different teams wanting to trade up because it's a very quarterback heavy draft and saying, hey, you know, like I want to, I want to, you know, I want to trade out. I mean, you have Lawrence Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. That's six potential first round quarterbacks right there. And then you have people like ETN and Najee Harris going, they're protecting the second round. Like there's this class is just so deep. And if anything, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm probably trading down. I'm probably trying to look like I think those Lions that I looked at, I think the Lions are a great trade partner. That's what I'd be targeting. Um, but moving on from them, <laughs> I, I talked about the Dolphins way too long. I have a friend that pollutes my brains with my Dolphins takes, so it's bad. But now, I mean, the Dolphins are looking at picks. They already have pick 18 and 3. I mean, uh, <laughs> hear me out, right? I bet you they could trade 3 and 18 for 1. <laughs> you know? I mean, honestly, they could probably trade 3 and tra- 2 for 1. Maybe. You never know. But uh, I don't know. I could see Miami using the 18 and 3. I could see Miami using 18 as a piece to move back up the board. Um, that really wouldn't surprise me. Um, and having, you know, two top 10 picks or so, it wouldn't surprise me, but the way they've been running it so far, it looks like they want to accumulate as much talent as possible. All right. Now, like, you know, moving on, um, we can briefly talk about the Ravens Bengals Ravens one thirty eight to three. And that was talking Bengals, uh, Steelers Brown game, uh, the Steelers, Rested everybody in preparation for the playoffs. The Browns barely won. Browns made the playoffs because of it. And the Dolphins missed because of it. Because if the Dolphins lost, they had to hope for either a Ravens, Browns, Colts loss. Was there somebody else? No, it was just them. Um, They had to hope one of those teams lost. Problem was they all won. So the Dolphins missed the playoffs because of it. And the Browns make it. And now the Browns have COVID, and their head coach can't coach against the Steelers next week. I mean, next week, Saturday. So that's not ideal. Uh, this game is going to be bad. Like, bad, bad. Um, I'm I'm very nervous about it. I'm sorry, they play Sunday night. Sunday night football, we get to watch the 12-4 and Steelers play the 11-5 Browns while the Browns don't have any of their coaches, and some of their star players are gone. They're not going to play. So that's not ideal. I feel bad for Browns fans. They've waited so, so long, since 2002, to play in the playoffs. They're looking for their first playoff victory since 1994, and this happens to them. Like, it's not fair. They should – Uh, I saw a couple people throwing around this idea, saying that the Browns should be allowed to, to like, like, a one-week in, interim coach, Um, saying, like, interim, I mean. Saying like you can pick any person in the NFL, so like the NFL could be like, uh, you know, Browns, we're really screwing you over here. Here, like for compensation, Bill Belichick is a coach you this week. <laughs> like that'd be funny. Or like if it's like an eye for an eye, like the Steelers are like, hey, Steelers, um, yeah. So Mike Tomlin can't coach for you this week. Um, but it's kind of wild. Like, too bad they can't put Stefanski in like a suite, like they did for like Hugh Freeze, um, like in Pittsburgh, uh. Or, like, just something to where he can still coach, especially if he doesn't feel sick, if he's asymptomatic, to where he's not exposed to anybody, he's not exposing anyone to the virus and vice versa, and, you know, he can still coach his team, and the Browns can still have a chance. Uh, Lions-Vikings. Vikings won 37-35. It's kind of a who cares. Uh, they had the absolute softest roughing the passer call I have ever seen on Kirk Cousins today. It was bad. I mean, I'd say Sunday. Uh, it was pretty much the most basic tackle of all time. Uh, Justin Jefferson, in case you didn't see, he broke the all-time rookie receiving yards record, uh, a clean 1,400. He broke the At first, he broke the Randy Moss Vikings rookie record, and then he broke the all-time record for surpassing Anquan Bolton. Uh, Justin Jefferson is the truth as an LSU dude. Uh, I never understood why he was the fifth receiver taken off the board. Everybody that ever watched him at LSU understood how good he is. And uh, you know what? I do understand because he wasn't the biggest and he wasn't the fastest and he wasn't the strongest. So he wasn't as appealing. He didn't jump out. It's, it's so stupid. And his scouts are just like, hey, you know, well, this guy's really, really fast. So he's going to be good. I'm like, oh, so you think the fourth option of Alabama 
is going to be better off than the dude who dominated the SEC over the last two years. Oh, okay. And only that, you put the four, the fourth option at Alabama was drafted before the first option in Alabama, and no one saw a problem with it. It's It was sad. And then I, I said from the beginning, I thought CeeDee Lamb should be the number one receiver taken. I think CeeDee Lamb proved why this season. Um, before Dak's injury, he was by far and away the best rookie in the class. I think him and Justin Jefferson kind of ran away with those titles and T. Higgins uh, before Joe Burrow's injury. I think those three kind of ran away from the rest of the pack. Um, but, I mean, that receiving class was extremely deep. You have, I mean, going through it. I'll read them off in order and make sure I don't forget anybody. But I know the top five went Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, uh, your boy Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson. And then you have LaVisca Chennault and T. Higgins. You've had some other guys. But let me let me pull up the list of the 2020 the 2020 receivers taken because it was a deep class and everyone kind of knew that going in. Um, let's see. Yep. All right. So that was the first round. The last person of the first round. Oh, and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk was also a first rounder. So that's six. Then you have T Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr. Who Michael Pittman Jr. Looked good in stretches this year with the Colts. Fisca Chanel, We said him. KJ Hamler, he looked good and tra- he uh, points of the year. He looks better than Jerry Judy this year. Chase Claypool, we didn't even get Chase Claypool. He was a number seven, no six, seven, eight. He was number ten receiver, eleven receiver taken off the board. That's nuts. You had Van Jefferson out of LA. He looks good. Denzel Mims, he looks fine in the Jets. Um, and that's just in the second round. All those guys were taken in the first two rounds. Then you get to Lynn Bowden, uh, Brian Edwards. Like, this was such a deep, 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 deep receiving class. And that's probably why CeeDee Lamb fell to 17 and why Justin Jefferson fell to 22 was because they everyone knew how deep the class was. Nobody was kind of in a rush to go get them. They didn't see that big of a difference between the talents. Um, but... I don't know, man. It's it is just it's <laughs> making make sense, you know. Like I'll never understand how Tristan Jefferson fell to twenty two, um, and I mean the way it's going, he looks like he's gonna have a long NFL career. He's putting up fourteen hundred yards as in the same offense that has Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, and with Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball in an offense that is run first because they have Dalvin Cook and they also have Adam Thielen across from him. Like, imagine what he could do. Like a Patrick Mahomes type offense is the number one guy. If he's doing that as a rookie with Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Adam Thielen. And it probably helps. He doesn't have to get doubled. Everybody's worried about everything else. But Justin Jefferson always felt like the best player in the field. If it except for maybe Cook, right? Because Cook looked like the second best running back in the NFL this year. Uh, top three, you know, top three. It probably. But I mean, man, Jefferson looked good. He did that in basically 14 games. He didn't really play those first two games. Uh, Kirk Cousins talked about it in an interview saying, because they were like, hey, when do you realize like Justin Jefferson was really good? And like, wow, this guy's good. And he was like, honestly, it was like the second or third game of the season when we finally let him play the X. And everybody's like, what? Like, it took you that long to realize that guy's that good? He's like, yeah, well, no preseason, no training camp, da 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 I'm like, oh, brother. Like, your scouts drafted that dude and didn't even realize. Um, I feel bad for Matt Stafford. <laughs> Matt Stafford is the all-time like tough guy, like hustle guy. Um, he always just comes in and plays, and he always plays very well. And he is, man, that guy puts his body on the line for the Lions. Man, I would love for Matt Stafford to be on the Saints next year to replace Drew. But, uh, yeah, kind of moving on from that. Uh, next, we'll talk about the Pats Jets. Pats 128-14, and that was talking Pats Jets. As I say, we're going to move past all of the dumb games. Giants, Cowboys, oh, buddy boy, do I hate the Giants right now. Giants won 23-19, if you didn't know. Winner of that game would be able to win the division if the Eagles beat the Redskins that night. Um, I guess we can fast forward to that game just to talk about in this situation. Sunday Night Football, Washington football team won 20-14. I said Redskins earlier tonight, my bad. Washington football team. Uh, they played the Eagles. They beat them, and there's controversy because Jalen Hurts was pulled at the start of the fourth quarter for the backup, which the Eagles said before the game 
was going to happen. He they said, hey guys, just letting you know, Nate Sudfeld's gonna play today. Nate Sudfeld's gonna play today. That's what they said. Hey guys, everyone knows Nate Sudfeld's gonna play today. And they also had like a ton of healthy scratches. Like a lot of healthy scratches. Um I wish I could pull it up right now. I can't really find it. But the world went crazy saying, oh, the Eagles are tanking purposely. Da, 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 da. They want a better draft pick. They want to go from nine to six. Uh, Yeah, bro. Duh. Half their team sat out today. Half their starters sat out today because they didn't want to get them hurt. It's not really a big deal. Also, we're acting like Jalen Hurts was setting the world on fire. He was 7 of 20 for 72 yards and a pick. 25 passer rating. He had a 25 passer rating. And I get it. He, he ran for two touchdowns. He also only had 34 rushing yards. So, I mean, he had 100 total yards in three quarters. No passing touchdowns and an interception with a pass rating of 25. And we're really that mad when we're getting pulled and trying out the backup. Who they said before the game was going to play. I don't really have a problem with it. Also, if they want to tank, who cares? I don't care. Well, the integrity of the sport, what's the difference between what the Steelers did resting their starters in a meaningless game and what the Eagles did resting their starters in a meaningless game? Regardless, both of those games were meaningless, but apparently only one of them matter. Right? Oh, well, this game had direct impact to the playoffs. Yeah, so did the Steelers. If the Browns would have played the Steelers at full strength, the Steelers would beat them and the Dolphins would have been in instead. It's the same situation. It is the exact same situation. It is pitiful, and it is sad that we are supposed to be outraged over a terrible Giants team. The Giants went 6-10 this year. Bro, you're that mad about missing the playoffs? You're 6-10. Shut up. You don't get to complain at 6-10. You'd just be happy that they even considered you. Like, that's... That's legit, like a bench player making like honorable mention all district because like the coach just kind of liked the guy and threw him a bone, and he was like, "Why wasn't I first team?" Because you're not good. That's why you're not good. <laughs> it's it's that simple. You were the senior, and the coach wanted the district, so that means you got the most votes, and he threw you a bone and put you on honorable mention. Well, why wasn't I first team? That's the same thing. You went six and ten. You don't get to cry about not making the playoffs when you go six and ten. I don't care. Well, the Eagles have it out for us. No, dude. The Eagles did what's best for them. And also, anybody says, well, Doug Peterson's going to get fired for this. Dude, Doug Peterson was told to do that. The owner told him, hey, make sure we lose this game tonight. Don't worry about it. Your job's safe. Make sure we lose. I want a better pick. You make sure we lose. And who cares? The Eagles did what's best for their future. They, They don't care who makes the playoffs this year out of the Washington football team and the Giants. Why should they care? The Eagles did what's best for them in their position to make <laughs> the Eagles did what's best for them to make their team better in the future. And now they're picking at six instead of a nine. And regardless of what you believe, that's a big deal. Because say the draft goes Lawrence, Fields, uh, we can go Oregon, Tackle, Sal. I, I really need to learn how to say his name. I say it every time. Uh, say Atlanta goes Michael Parsons. And then you have Cincinnati. Say Cincinnati goes Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase. All of a sudden, Philadelphia's looking at either Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase. Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase. They get the other one. They get the other guy, assuming that Cincinnati goes after a weapon. Or maybe Cincinnati doesn't. Maybe Cincinnati goes get an offensive tackle. Maybe they trade down. Maybe they go get a defensive player. All of a sudden, Philadelphia gets to pick. Cream to crop, whoever you like best. I mean, maybe it's Waddle. I mean, it shouldn't be, for the record. Back to our take about uh liking players and being fascinated with their with their potential instead of their playing ability but maybe it is you know i mean i don't know it's not my draft pick do whatever you want with it but regardless you get your pick but now if you're at nine detroit's probably going quarterback carolina you don't really know who they're going to take and denver denver probably isn't going receiver but i mean i don't know where they're going to go i mean these people it's all wild cards and like regardless if you have three less teams picking in front of you, that helps your odds of getting a better player. I could see a lot of people fall in Philadelphia. They have a lot of holes, and I could see a lot of them being filled at that sixth slot. Michael Parsons might fall there. You know, they'll probably get the cream of the crop of the wide receivers, whoever they want. And I mean, maybe, you know, they go nuts and they want to pick a quarterback. I mean, I think it'd be hilarious if they trade down now. I hope they trade down to nine with Denver. 
because it would be so funny after hearing all the outrage and they pick up like a next year's first or next year's second. And then they're like, was it worth it? The tank? Like, yeah, we just got a first round, an extra first round pick from it. So without having to change anything. So yeah, it was, it was worth it. It was good. It was a good idea. Um, but it, it kind of cracks me up how all that stuff happened. Um, but kind of just moving on from all that, it is so stupid. Like, it is just ridiculous how we're supposed to feel bad for the Giants who went 6-10. and 10. Uh, Next, Falcons-Bucks. The Bucks did the thing again when they beat up on a really bad team. Um, Tom Brady played the full game. I don't know why the Bucks played their starters. Mike Evans ended up getting hurt because of it. Um, and, like, the Bucks were going to be the five seed no matter what. They are going to be the first wild card team no matter what happened. Like, they could have lost by 40. They could have won by 40. It didn't matter. They weren't going to be anything besides five seed. It was a meaningless game for them. I don't get why they put their starters. Um, I will say you need to find somebody that loves you the way Tom Brady loves Antonio Brown. Um, two minutes left in the game. Antonio Brown was three catches away from getting his bonus. And Tom Brady ran three shuffle passes in a row to him to make sure he caught it to like make sure like he can get his bonus. That's awesome. I love stories like that. I love the bonus stories. Uh, people going out of their way to help them out and getting extra money. Like the players appreciate it. And Sean Payton's really really good at that. Like as a coach, he'll make sure like he'll go get the guys. And Tom Benson was, was always good at uh, just paying it off. If they were close, just paying them off, and it gets it keeps players happy. It wants them. It makes them want to play for you whenever they know you have you have their back like that. Um, but I've seen some theories saying like, well, we know Antonio Brown's been roaming with Tom Brady for a while now. Maybe he just owns Tom Brady a lot in rent. So Tom Brady's like, yeah, like I'm gonna make sure you get this because now you don't have an excuse not to pay me. I know you're about to get money now, but in all seriousness, it is, it's pretty awesome how all that works. I really just don't understand why the Bucks play their starters. It's kind of stupid, especially for the full game. Understand, give, give them a few possessions, you know, or a half keep rhythm but that didn't feel anything to me except like we're gonna go beat up another bad team and make people think we're good um but moving on oh i will say i'm proud of the falcons this year they went four and twelve that's awesome for them uh usually what they like to do is they like to get eliminated from playoff contention like right away and then they'll win six games seven games in a row and then they're gonna miss the playoffs but then have like a mid-range draft pick this year they did great they have like the number four pick in the draft yeah, number four pick in the draft, and they missed the playoffs. That's perfect for them. They they never do that. I'm very proud of them for uh, – very, very, very proud for them being able to, you know, accomplish that this year. It's it's impressive. Um, moving on, Packers ran away from the Bears late, 35-16. to uh, Let's see. It was 21-16 to with a buyout. There goes my country. It was 21 to 16 with about four minutes left in the game. Three minutes left in the game around there. And then uh, the Pack- Packers scored a touchdown. And then the Bears threw a pick. And the Packers scored another touchdown. And all of a sudden it was 35 16. And the score looked a lot worse than what it really was. Um, I will say that game really was never as close as the score even showed as 21 16. Aaron Rodgers threw for 240 and four touchdowns. He is the MVP. He deserves to be the MVP. And that's really all you can say. Uh, he is the best player in football right now. This year, he had the best season. And the crazy part was this is probably his best season of his career. Uh, as silly as it may be to hear, because, I mean, he's had some tremendous seasons. It's most likely the truth. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked fantastic this year. This is his. Let's go look at it. I want to get the exact ones right. I know he was just, like, just short of getting his all-time uh, passer rating. Um, but... Yeah, that's uh, he's been he's been playing out of his mind. I'm pulling it up now on uh, Pro Football Reference. Let's see, he had the this is the most touchdowns of his career at 48. His previous high was 40. My bad, 45. Um, his this is his highest completion percentage. Oh, second highest completion percentage of his of his career at 70.7 percent. His previous high was 71.4. So, I mean, it's 0.7% difference. Really not that big of a difference. Um, it wasn't his most yards, but he didn't really have to have his most yards this year because his team was so good. Uh, he only threw five interceptions. He had a 1% interception rate. 
uh, it's not even close to his lowest. His lowest was a 0.3. Uh, like, that's the lowest all-time meeting the minimum attempts. But it's kind of the crazy part about Rodgers. Like, Rodgers, he, for as much as he throws the ball and as much as he, as much as he, like, as many touchdowns as he throws, he just doesn't throw interceptions. It's nuts. He's always been good at protecting the ball. Um, since 2010, since 2011, the most interceptions he's thrown in the season was eight. So in 2011, it went six, eight, six, five, eight, seven, six, two, four, five. That is nuts. <laughs> like, you don't see stuff like that. Um, I know this year he threw five, and I think he threw three in one game. <laughs> so, I mean, he had two in 15 games, if you exclude that one. That's bananas. You don't see stuff like that. Um, We all forgot how good Rodgers was. Jordan Love was drafted, and everybody was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is washed. Jordan Love's coming. And then he went on to have the best season of his career. So I think it's safe to say that he's not washed. And he's always been one of those players you really shouldn't make mad. You really shouldn't try and piss him off because the all-time greats, whenever whenever you make them mad, they go off. Kind of like Curry. Uh, everybody was calling Curry washed on Twitter. All of a sudden, he threw a drop 60 on you. <laughs> a career high. And it says, like, yeah, I wanted to shut those people up. They don't know what they're talking about. Going on to the next game, this is kind of the game Red Zone forgot about. And it was probably the best game of the day. Uh, Raiders, <laughs> Broncos. You hear that, like, what? And the Raiders won a shootout 32-31. Um, it came down to the Broncos attempted a 63-yard field goal to win. With three, with two seconds left, and it was blocked by the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, that's how the game ended. The Raiders scored a touchdown. Um, let's see, they scored a one-yard touchdown with twenty-four seconds left on fourth and goal at the one-yard line, and then went for two to take the lead. They succeeded. They have a one-point lead, and yeah, the Broncos get the ball. They Run a quick play, 25 yards, and, com- and then they spike it. And then they kick, try a field goal, and, to- and misses, and the Raiders won. Um, I wonder if the Raiders went for two. They were down one when they went for two, so it was like going to win the game, or they were going to lose the game from it. And I wonder if John Gruden was like, ha-ha, this is how we tank. And then they got it. He was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I can't believe we got that. I'm so mad. Um Josh Jacobs played really well. He uh, averaged almost six yards a carry. He scored two touchdowns. DJ, uh, Darren Waller, DJ, Darren Waller, it went crazy. Nine catches, 117 touchdown. Um, Darren Waller has firmly planted himself into the Kittle and Kelsey tier of, above everyone else in the tight end department in the NFL. Um, and then on the Broncos side, uh, Drew Locke actually had a good game, 340 with two touchdowns. Uh, 103 pass rating. That's excellent. Um, Melvin Gordon didn't really play great. He only averaged 3.6 yards to carry. The Raiders actually did a really good job of shutting down the Broncos run game, which is shocking because the Raiders rush defense is pretty pitiful. Uh, Jerry Judy picked up five catches, 140 and a touchdown, which sounds great until you found out that one of his catches went for a 92 yard touchdown. So, <laughs> so he really, yeah, gosh, man, his rookie season was so underwhelming. He really only caught four passes, 48 yards, if you take away that that play. Which, like, you know, the play happened, you can't take it away. But I don't know, man. His rookie season was just so depressing. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot better. And the, the Broncos were pretty injury-ridden this year. Then they had the COVID stuff. Um, Drew Locke didn't play all the games. It was just a weird year, but he had so many drops. I just thought – I really thought Jerry Judy would be a lot better than that. Uh, the Jacks, Colts, Colts won 28-14, and that's really all that needs to be said. Uh, the Jaguars coming into this game already had the number one pick locked up. Jonathan Taylor went bananas, uh, 253 and two touchdowns, and Jonathan Taylor is looking extremely good. Uh, the, you may remember from Wisconsin, he was he's a huge back, and he runs a 4-3. He's, a, he's an animal. He's a monster, um, but he's... It's weird. It's weird what the he averaged eight point four yards a carry. Um, but it's weird what the Colts did with him this year. Like after Marlon Mack went down the first game, I thought Taylor was going to take away instantly and take all the carries. 
then they kept kind of throwing Hines in there, Naheem Hines in there randomly, and like he would take the carries, but then Taylor would come back. It was it was really weird. It was like a running back by committee, but it wasn't predictable whatsoever. But I'm hoping they let Taylor just be the lead guy next year because he is so talented. He is a special player. Uh, moving on, Chargers beat the Chiefs who didn't start anybody. Uh, Chargers put up 38 points. They beat um 38 to 21. Herbert threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns because that's just what he does. He wakes up and just, you know, throws for 303 touchdowns. Um, Mike Williams had a good game, 108 yards and a touchdown. And pretty much that's – it's weird. Uh, Josh Jackson picked up 72 yards on nine carries. Besides that, there's really no other standout performers. And whenever you're 38 points and then a quarterback playing like that, you would think there'd be, you know, at least one standout performance, but – no, nobody else really did anything. The Chiefs rested everybody. Uh, none of their running backs played. Mahomes didn't play. Uh, Tyree Kill didn't play. Travis Kelsey didn't play. So, yeah, it was kind of uh, everybody go get some rest. Uh, the Chiefs essentially got two weeks off, two-week break. So that's either going to really screw them over because they go so long without playing football. They almost kind of get too much rest. Or it's going to be, you know, they're fine. You know, they just got time to get healthy. Um, I guess we're finally going to find the rest versus rust debate. We're finally going to get an answer to that, which I mean, not really, because it just kind of depends on the team, depends on players, depends on. But the Chiefs are all veterans. They won Super Bowl last year. They're used to playoffs. They make deep runs every year. So, I mean, they should theoretically, it should just be rest. It shouldn't be rust. Um, Cardinals, Rams. Rams won this game. It sent them to the playoffs. The Cardinals, however, were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, the Rams won 18-7, and that's really all I have to say. Uh, in a battle for the playoff game, we didn't get to see Jared Goff or Kyler Murray play. Instead, we saw Wolford and Striefler. And, man, was that game pitiful. I am so happy they did not show that on red zone. Uh, it looks like the Rams didn't even score a touchdown. Oh, wait, they did. They caught a pick six. They had a safety, three field goals, and a pick six. And that's how the Rams scored. Uh, hopefully, the Rams... Have Jared Goff back, so at least this, their playoff game this week can be competitive against Seattle. As a Saints fan, I would much rather play Seattle this week at home than the Bucks. Uh, I want the Bucks to go out there and play the Packers in the second round. I think they can go to Lambeau and match up well against them and beat them. And then you get the Saints, Bucks, Superdome, NFC Championship game. We match up very well with them. We smoke them twice, and we can see the play. We can go see the, the Super Bowl. But then at the same time. I could also see the Washington football team beating uh, the Buccaneers just because the formula to beat the Bucs this year is be able to put pressure on people with four players, with four rushers. And you look at the teams that can do that, the Rams, the Saints, the Bears, those are the teams that beat them. And then you have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are just, you know, really good football team. Um, but that's that's the type of teams that can beat them. And the Washington football team is a great pass rusher, a uh, great defensive front. They can get you a four. They can get after it. Uh, Seahawks 49ers Seahawks 126-23 Russell Wilson my dude has just not done anything in so long like every year it's can you believe Russell Wilson never had an MVP vote and then at the end of the year you're like wow Russell Wilson does not deserve an MVP vote uh, Tyler Lockett had half of his yards 90 yards for two touchdowns he, he had both of Russ's touchdowns he caught both of them I mean and he had half of Russ's yards CJ Beathard Kind of sneakily had a good game. Uh, 273 and a touchdown. Jeff Wilson picked up 76 yards and a touchdown, but he only averaged 3.8. Uh, yeah, and man, there really wasn't any other like standout performers from this game. DK Metcalf hasn't been very awesome lately. Uh, it's kind of, you know, the quarterback's fault. <laughs> Quarterback hasn't really been doing anything. Metcalf had 21 yards on three catches on Sunday out of nine targets. So... That Seattle offense is looking real dysfunctional, and that's why I think it would be really appetizing to get them in the Superdome and Divisional Round because that offense is just bad right now. Um, Saints-Panthers, Saints won 33-7. They kind of just went balls to the wall, kept all their starters in. The ones I could play, Alvin Kamara can play. Uh, hopefully he can return on Sunday. And the Nickelodeon game, yes, you heard that right, folks. The Saints got the Nickelodeon game. Uh, first we had the Mickey Mouse ring, and now we get the Bubble Bowl. <laughs> hit the Bubble Bowl Saints. Um, the Saints, we're, we can talk about playoffs after this. Uh, briefly skimming through the stuff, but 
Drew went for 203 touchdowns. Uh, Ty Montgomery, wow, remember him? 105 yards, uh, averaging six yards to carry. Manuel Sanders had, uh, he was one catch away from getting his bonus. Caught the pass, he knew it. He got on his knees and he threw his arms in the air and like celebration. Everybody was clapping for him. It was announced in the stadium. Uh, I mean, it wasn't announced in the stadium. I'm sorry. It was announced over the broadcast. Everybody was going nuts for Emmanuel Sanders. He was so excited. And it's so funny that, uh, it's so funny that everybody could be so excited for him. Like, even the people that have to pay him are like, yeah, good job, Emmanuel. <laughs> um, Curtis Samuel had a very good game. Dude, he is a weapon. He, uh, he caught seven passes for 118 yards. And Samuel's crazy because he could run for 100 or he can catch 100 as a wide receiver on any given day. Uh, I mean, he could probably do both on the same day if he wanted to. But the Saints looked really good. Saints were firing on all cylinders without Latavius Murray, without Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas, without Deontay uh, Harris. Like, they looked really good. And uh, they're getting all their guys back this week. Uh, Kamara's the only person that's in doubt. They don't know yet. He's not going to be able to practice, but they're hoping he can still go if he can test negative. Um, he said he's asymptomatic, he's feeling fine, but the thing is, we should be able to beat the Bears without him. So, if he needs extra week of rest, don't be afraid to give it to him. Um, and lastly, the last game we have to talk about before we get into some playoff stuff, Titans-Texans. Titans, uh, Titans won 41-38, and this game was electric. This was probably the best game of the day. I take it back, I'm sorry Raiders and Broncos, but... This was the best game of the day. Sean Watson went for 365 and three touchdowns. Uh, David Johnson ran for 84 and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, uh, 166, two touchdowns. Um, just starting on the Houston side. Uh, the Tex- Titans won 41-38 on a last-second field goal. After the game, you get the emotional video in the tunnel. J.J. Watt walking back with Deshaun, Jock- uh, Deshaun Watson and saying, like, you deserve better. We wasted one of your years. I'm so sorry. Like, we should have been 11-5, and five, whatever, should have made the playoffs. Da, 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 da. Like, we wasted one of your years. I'm so sorry. That went viral because the thing over the last few years is we have to save Deshaun Watson. We have to save him, which, like, yeah, yeah we do. But um, regardless of the fact. But this game was nuts. Uh, Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 career uh, – I mean, not career – 2,000 yards this season because of this game. He ran for 250 in this game alone two touchdowns. A.J. Brown caught 10 passes, 151 and a touchdown. Uh, but the craziest part about this game was like the ending. The Texans kicked a 51-yard field goal to tie it with 18 seconds left. Titans get the ball. A.J. Brown runs a goal route out of the slot. He gets one-on-one with the corner. He burns him. He gets 52 yards on that one play. They call timeout. Derrick Henry runs the ball for four yards or whatever. You know, get the kicker a little bit closer. Call timeout again, four seconds left. And uh, Sam Sloman hits a 37-yarder to win it and uh, avoid overtime, get the win. Uh, they clinch the division, and they, uh, you know, they get to – now they get to host Baltimore in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, that was week 17. We can get into the playoff stuff now. Uh, we can go in order. Saturday at noon on CBS, you have Colts-Bills. I expect the Bills to throttle the Colts, to be honest. But it's weird. Like, we see two different Colts teams this year, right? Sometimes we'll see Colts, and they look unstoppable. They're running the ball like crazy. Uh, they're playing great defense. You know, they have their running backs are, you know, they're averaging six yards carry. Then you have the other Colts team to where they're getting just curb-stomped by the Browns. <laughs> they're getting curb-stomped. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think the Bills' offense is just way too good for the Colts to even play with them. I can't really see it. Uh, and it's Bills are six and a half point favorites. So, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, going on to the next game, you have Rams Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks are three and a half point favorite on Fox Saturday, 340. I think the Seahawks, Jared Goff can't play the Seahawks are definitely going to win. Um, I really hope the Seahawks win. I don't really know if they will. They might be the worst 12 and 14 in the NFL. In like NFL history, they are so bad. And then I say that then I look at the Steelers and I'm like, well, I don't know. The Steelers are probably it. But yeah, I would love to play the Seahawks uh, in the second round. Not You really don't hear that often. You don't really hear, I want to play the Seahawks in the second round very often. You don't want to hear, I want to play 12 and 14 in the second round very often. But it's the truth. It's just kind of the way the season has gone. It's weird. Um, last game on Saturday night, it's the nightcap. Bucks. Uh, Washington football team, NBC, Tampa's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. As I said, if I wouldn't be shocked if the Washington football team beat Tom Brady. 
uh, especially since it's a home game for Washington football team. Let me, I'm about to go check the weather because if the weather's going to be bad, I can see that playing to their advantage by a lot. Devin White's not playing. Uh, Carlton Davis, Jason Pierre-Paul, Mike Evans, all of them might not be playing. That is some big losses for the Bucks. Those are all starters. Those are all impact players. And looking at the weather, it's going to be 44 degrees. Um, that's not ideal for Tom Brady considering he even said like he can't really mess with the cold weather anymore. It sucks. It's not fun. And the Redskins get after you. And as Bruce Arians pointed out today, the Redskins, I'm sorry, the Redskins, the Washington football team, the Washington football team over the six games Alex Smith starts are five and one. And, you know, make of that as you will, but they are still, they're still five and one. They, whenever Alex Smith starts, um, Obviously, it's probably not because of Alex Smith. It's probably more having to do with the defense. But that that's a dangerous team. It's supposed to be 28 degrees at kickoff. Um, it's not going to rain or anything. But, man, being a Florida team, not playing in the cold all year, and then your first playoff game, going face Chase Young in that defense with 28-degree weather, that's not going to be fun. I don't I don't think the Bucs are going to cover that. Um, I think there's a chance that they lose. But regardless, I don't know. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'm definitely uneasy about this game. Uh, this kind of just feels like one of those games that are setting you up to lose. And, yeah, it's a <laughs> – I would hate to be a Bucks fan after talking all the smack that they talked for the last six, eight months or so and then go lose in the first round to the Washington football team who, you know, wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs. The team that could have been 6-10 and 10 if – the Eagles didn't, you know, do their thing, right? Um, that would that'd be ta- that'd be bad for them. And then, like going back, another team, the Giants. The Giants have a pretty solid defensive front, and then the Giants almost beat the Bucks this year too on Thursday Night Football, and they lost because Daniel Jones couldn't make a couple throws they should have hit. Um, basically, if Alex Smith can play mistake-free football and make the right decisions and be just a smart guy back there, which you know is kind of his mo. I could see the Washington football team winning. Now, now that I'm saying this, the Bucs are probably going to win by 30. Um, I don't think the Bucs are going to blow them out. I think it would be close, but I think the entire game, the Bucs will probably have the game in their control. Um, they're a much better team than Washington, uh, and Washington's offense is just so pitiful. Um, they need, they just need more playmakers out there. They have Gibson. They have Terry McLaurin. Uh, Logan Thomas looks to be coming into his own, but man, they just need more. They need more of everything. Their offense just looks so stagnant and so anemic. But I'm happy for Ron Rivera. I'm happy Ron Rivera made the playoffs. He had a long year, and we can we can just move on to the Sunday games now. So starts off on Sunday. We have Ravens Titans. Uh, the Ravens are a three and a half point favorite. I don't think this game's gonna go like it went last year. Um, last year the Titans formula was run the ball with Derrick Henry. Uh, and play great defense. Problem is they don't have a great defense anymore, especially not against the run. Their run defense is soft, soft, soft. Something I never thought I would say about a Mike Vrabel coach team, right? Um, but with the emergence of the Ravens' running game over the past few weeks and with what Lamar and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards has really been able to do these last few weeks, I, I think the Ravens are going to win. And... I honestly, I wouldn't. I, I would probably be willing. I, I mean, they're. I think they're going to cover. I think they're probably beating by ten points. Ravens got hot at like the perfect time, and that's not a team I'm playing in the playoffs right now. Moving on to the Bears and Saints. Oh yeah, the Ravens games on ABC at twelve on Sunday. It's very weird to hear that combination. I yeah, um, it is also kind of weird that the Ravens Titans will probably be the like most highly rated game. And it's going to be the 12 o'clock game on Sunday. Um, the Bears and Saints, CBS, also on Nickelodeon. If anybody wants to watch it on there, I'll probably record it on there and go back and watch it if the, if the Saints win and I'm in a good mood. And I can watch the funny stuff. Like, So like, here's my question, right? What happens if there's like a serious injury? Like, 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 you know, God forbid. But what if there is? How do they explain that to like Nickelodeon kids? Do they just like slime them? Be like, oh, he got slimed. That's what you're wrong, kids. It's not because his ribs are shattered. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? Um, I, I love the idea. I love the idea of getting the game into a younger audience. 
Um, I wish MLB would do stuff like that because they hate growing the game. But, man, this could end up in disaster. Uh, the Saints are a 10-point favorite. I, I I don't like the line. I think the Saints are way better than uh, Bears. But the Bears' defense is so good, it's, it's very hard to put them as a 10-point underdog to anyone. Um, the Saints should be getting a lot of their guys back. Uh, they should be looking at getting Marcus Williams, Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray, uh, Deontay Harris. They're, they're going to be getting all their guys back. Um, and hopefully they have Kamara back. And if so, if they have all their guys, they should win. Um, now we get to see the rematch of Mims and Chauncey Garner-Johnson. As you may know, they got into a fight earlier this season. It was very funny. It was very weird. It's very quirky. But that's that game's going to be... Hopefully, as a Saints fan, it's just nice, quick, and easy. We can get our guys in and out and, you know, kind of just go go home and rest for the next round and see if we're either going to play the Bucks or the Seahawks. Um, and in the last game, you have Cleveland and Pittsburgh Steelers. We kind of touched on this already. Um, the, the poor Steelers, I, I really feel so bad for them. I mean, not the Steelers, the Browns. I feel so bad for the Browns. They should not have to play this game without their coach. And, like, the Steelers have such a great coach in Mike Tomlin, and they already have – let's be honest, yeah, the Steelers have a better roster. They have a better team. Um, but, man, I feel – I just feel so bad for the Browns fans They for so long. Please, like, we finally made it to the playoffs. We finally have a great coach. Like, we made it to the promised land. Baker Mayfield brought us here. And then it's like, haha, sorry, global pandemic. Time for you to suffer. Like, you can't even go enjoy it. You can't even be in those stadiums to enjoy it. And then on top of that, you will also not. Like, you won't be able to go to the stands and enjoy the game. And then you also will not have your head coach for the game. And then you also will not have Denzel Ward for the game. And then you also won't have uh, your a couple starting offensive linemen. Like, the Browns have really been getting messed up by COVID this year. I'm about to look up their uh, COVID reserve currently as the Browns um, because they have been. Let's see. They put they put two more on it this morning. Joel Bidiano, I think it's how you say his name. He's a guard. I pretty much everyone should know. He's a Pro Bowl caliber player. And then Hodge, the receiver, are both on COVID-19. That's not ideal. So they're Pro Bowl offensive guard. And then, like, they're number th- four receiver. Yeah, that's definitely not ideal, especially whenever you have the fact that, um, you know, Denzel Ward is also probably probably not going to be able to play. Um, I wonder how they're going to handle the entire situation. I hope they let Kevin Stefanski coach uh, still. It doesn't have to be on the sideline or whatever. You know, it could be, you know, in the wherever. It could be, he can be remote. Or her, uh, I don't know. It's, it's very weird. I feel... I just feel so bad. I know I keep saying it, but I, just, I really do. I feel terrible for Browns fans. They deserve better than us. Um, if there's any fan base in football that everyone can kind of feel bad for, our, it's it's the Browns. Um, but yeah, now that we kind of covered that, um, we kind of already talked about all of the all of the stuff. I'm probably giving my predictions right now. This is how I think it's going to go in the NFC. I think. Saints are going to beat the Bears. Seahawks are going to beat the Rams. Bucks are going to beat the Washington football team. I think the Bucks are going to go to the Green Bay and beat the Packers and then lose to the Saints in the NFC Championship game. And then on the other side, I think the Bills are going to win. I think the Ravens are going to win. And who or the other team? I don't remember off the top of my head. I, I'm so focused, like laser focused on the NFC. Oh, yeah, the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to win. So then I think the Bills are going to beat the Steelers, go to the AFC Championship game. I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Ravens. I think that's going to be an awesome game. And then I could see the Bills beating the Chiefs. I could, but I'm going to predict the Saints, Chiefs. And since I'm a homer, I'm going to go Saints over the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Saints are the most complete team in football when they're on, when they're healthy. I think they're the most complete team in football. I think their ceiling is their ceiling is as far as Drew Brees' arm can take them, if we're being honest at this point. Um, it's going to be if Drew Brees can make the two or three throws that – People don't really expect him to make it this age uh, because his arm, his arm strength, it's just not there anymore. You know, like, let's be honest. It's not the same as what it was. 
I really wish Drew Brees could have played with this team whenever he was like 2012 Drew Brees, whenever he was at his absolute peak and he was throwing for 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns and going 7-9 and nine and people were roasting him saying, oh, Drew Brees, da, 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 your team sucks, da, da, da. and you go back and look how t- terrible his defense was. Man, it was it was exhausting having a defender boy, Drew. But, um, yeah, that's my pick. I think it's going to be Saints over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Raymond James, we need to host that Lombardi in that building. We need to hoist it. We have to hoist the Lombardi in the Buccaneers building. And then we get to say, screw you, Tom Brady. And then Drew Brees gets to go, I'm going to Disney World. And that's how that's going to end. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you made it this long, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it if you did listen this long. Please share this with some friends. Uh, let's try and grow this community. Uh, you know, Throw me a like on social media if you're, if you're able to. Uh, and check out some of my other work. I'll have it all in the bio. Um, I hope everybody, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's been, you know, kind of doing their thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for today. I will see you guys next week. Hopefully, we have some more stuff to talk about in the MLB world. I'm I'm ready for baseball to start. Um, hopefully, we have some you know fun craziness happen this weekend. As long as craziness isn't in the Saints game. I want craziness everywhere, and I want the Saints game to go according to plan as what the odds suggested to go in. Um, but, yep, that's pretty much all we're going to talk about today. Um, hopefully, we have more to talk about. Hopefully, I'm happy that we'll be able to kind of start to drift away from the NFL more um, now that the season's starting to wrap up. We're getting less and less games. I don't have to waste time talking about meaningless games. Um, and then I can talk more deeper into all the other games. Um, but yeah, I'm ready for Sunday to hit so I can sit down on my couch. I mean, Saturday to hit so I can sit down on my couch from 12 to 1030 and then do it all over again on Sunday and just watch football until my eyes bleed out. Um, but yep, I will see you guys next Thursday. Hopefully your favorite team wins, unless you're a Bears fan, then I hope you lose. Um, but yep, that's going to do it today. I hope everybody is doing great and see you guys next week. Love you guys.